Congratulations! You found it! This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Starring the original book divas Martha Steele, Vonnie Golden, and Nicole Shaded. Also featuring book nerds Jessica Butcher and Josh Lupton. Together, searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. I love that song. Yes. She fucking hates me. La 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 la. <laughs> she took it's my heart and tore my head. It's been a long time since I heard. And ripped them away. La 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 la. What? Nicole, you have the look on your face like I'm thinking internally. <laughs> she's singing. It's like, oh. Okay. In her head, she's thinking, she's a crazy bitch. <laughs> Transport me elsewhere, please. <laughs> oh, don't put God. that on the podcast. I don't want my singing all over. That was so good. No, no, no. no. I'm comfortable with the singing. Especially the part where you didn't know the lyrics. <laughs> well, I, I was like, I think she was right and I was wrong. Because it's you, but you took were much more confident about it. Well, it's all about the confidence. I mean, if you're going to sing it wrong, sing it wrong. There's a comment about the current administration in there somewhere about being confident, but yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and it's let that not, one slide. It's. <laughs> If you're calling me a Trump lover. No, I will come after oh, you. Nicole, no. Oh, Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie. I've killed for less than that. I'm just saying. Yes. Those fighting words. Yeah. She could get very. It could get very ugly in here very quickly. Yes. We all survived the storms. Yes, we did. Yes. Although I knock is, on wood. This is honestly how I felt. Okay, it's the first severe storm of the season on May first. And everybody in the Oklahoma City area was watching the weather, and we were all very worried about it. But and I knew this was coming, but I forgot to clean out the hidey hole. (laughs) That means there's going to be a tornado. Yeah, and I I just tell you guys right now, there is one thing that you do not put near me, and that is a spider. Oh, I am not good at that. I have arachnophobia. What about snakes? Snakes, I'm fine with. Oh, come get the ones out of my backyard. I'm fine with snakes, but spiders, no. So I'm thinking, I'm going to die, because I'm not going in that fucking hole. Because I can see down there that there are spiders. If we get a tornado, I'm done, because I'm not crawling in that hole. Wait, if you can't get in there, how do you clean it? You make somebody else clean your storm shelter? Yes. Dylan always has cleaned the storm you shelter. You have a child. That That's child abuse. abuse. No, I, I pay him for it. Every year, I pay him to go down in the hole and clean it out. Every year. Have since we got it. Well, now he's a grown man and he has a job, so he's not home. And Ron says, it's your hole. You wanted it. You go down and clean it. <laughs> so now, no. guess what? The hole is not fucking clean and there are spiders in there. I wonder if you could take like the I shop back and like the I little extender. Who does that? You can't you reach down there, man. Up. It's too far. You just I, get a I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get, get, get a bug grenade and I'm going to fling it down in there and run for my life. The only problem with the shop back idea is then you have spiders inside your vacuum. So yeah, then that's you have to true. Your it doesn't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm freaking out right now over here. No, you just do what me and my daughter did. We sat in the front yard with the lawn chairs face to the west and said, let's just watch this thing roll in. And both of us had a great time. 
It's a great mother-daughter bonding thing. And then she's like, it's raining. I want to go inside. I said, okay. <laughs> she loves them. She loves them. I don't mind the storms. The storms don't bother me. I mean, obviously, I don't. I would prefer not to be deceased. Right. That's a bonus. Yeah. So if there's one coming my way, I, I would usually, you know, go down in the hole. Well, yeah. And last time, funny, when we had that big tornado a couple of years ago, we got down in the hole, took a couple of beers down there. Heck yes. We were down there for a long yeah, time. Yeah, we were down there for hours. <laughs> we were. We just drank all the beer. Yeah. Excellent. I even had a they contingency plan for when we needed to pee. They probably couldn't figure out how to get back up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we got out of there, we were pretty happy. Actually, the first thing we did was run for the bathroom, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. What was your contingency pee plan? Did you bring a curtain or something? No, down? I have Ziploc bags. Ziploc bags are perfect for that. She's you a need a she pee. Oh, shiwi! I do sh- need. Yeah. We've talked about this on the podcast before. I I need to order a shiwi. I have one and I love it. How do you, how how do you gonna, clean it? Um, like, what do you do disposable. with it? Put it in the dishwasher. Mine was disposable. Mine's like hard cardboard. Ew! Oh, so you just, in the dishwasher with no. your dishes? Dude, <laughs> gross! You sanitize And you were it. giving me a hard time because my dog licked my straw. Then I was gonna go home and put in the dishwasher. You're like your dog is licking your straw. I never said it wouldn't be okay later. But you would pee through a straw and then put it through the dishwasher. But let's think about this really hard. What if you're on a road, road trip with a non-disposable shiwi? <laughs> what the hell are you going to do with it? Bleach. I mean, you carry... No, you're like on a road trip. You don't have bleach. You're just going to put it in your bag and be like, I'm going to use this later. I would carry it in a Ziploc... I would carry <laughs> yeah. it in a Ziploc bag. And if I had to reuse it... Don't they say that pee is sterile? That is pee actually is not, not sterile. <laughs> Are it you is sterile crazy? inside your kidney? <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm looking it up on Amazon right now. Yeah, that's not sanitary. <laughs> it's this groovy little purple broke. funnel. Just remember, if you shake it more than twice, <laughs> you're playing with it. No, mine was mine was like it was cardboard and it was like a V shaped, and you just kind of fit it down there and it oh. funneled it out so it's like a little pretend penis. Uh, no, I don't see a disposable one in yeah. here. They're all the plastic ones. I mean, oh, this one has a ca- carry case. <laughs> well, see, there Problem you go. Solved. You see, put it yes, in the carry, the carry case, case. You I put it, it inside. Oh, look, is that like an extender so you can make it longer? Yeah. I uh, want my husband to have one. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that's for. I think we're going to need a gray area here. <laughs> I don't think he needs one, honey. He has his own. Yes. I'm, I'm putting this in my cart right now. I'm buying the Shiwi. I think what you summer. want is the adult toy store what for color? your husbands to get bigger. What color should I get? There's aqua and black I think and you just blue. need to go with the hot pink. And desert just sand and pink and lilac. Or get the yellow one so when the pee dries on it, no one can tell. <laughs> you can't see it. Don't get the black. It shows color. <laughs> It'll show uh, moisture stains. <laughs> After that wonderful road trip, <laughs> and it dries out in that carry case. I'm kind of thinking if you get gold color, that if somebody sees you by the side of the road, you know, and you've got this thing hanging out, it'll be confusing. Well, if you get the hot pink one, it'll just like look like you whipped your dick out and it's taking a pee. 
Maybe they'll just be confused. Hot pink. I think all of them would be confusing because <laughs> you still have to kind of take your pants off as a female to use that thing. Well, think about it. Like, pull it down a little, yeah. So, so if you're standing on the bit. side of the road. That's 2018. <laughs> hey, I grew up in Wyoming. We used to go to the bathroom by the side of the road all the time. I know, without a shiwi. What's the problem with that? Because you pee on your clothes. We've had this conversation. Well, you I mean, just, you when just you pull your pants forward, forward a little bit. Yeah, if you're peeing yeah. on your clothes, you're doing it wrong. Dude, it's complicated because you're talking about <laughs> uneven ground. You're talking about grass. How long you have you been sure a female? Stuff downhill. in the way. Listen, you if don't I always can, have that option. If I can pee in the woods drunk without peeing out of my pants, you can pee on an uneven surface. I'm just saying it is very inconvenient, and I'd rather have another option. And that's bonus, all I'm saying. <laughs> bonus points if you can do it in the snow too. Have you ever? Had can you pee? write your name? No, no, because I'm not that flexible. <laughs> Have you ever peed and had to move your feet out further yes. so that you didn't get the pee on See? your shoes? <laughs> and you get it on your shoes. I'm telling you, it's just not very convenient. <laughs> I just ordered it. I clicked it. <laughs> Proceed to cart. Click. Today at my work, we were talking about sex dreams with coworkers. <laughs> Seriously? What do you walk in and say, hey, baby, I had a dream about you last night. Well, and no. you. <laughs> I have done that. I have had a dream about somebody and then come to work the next morning and I'm like, the walk of shame by him. Yeah. <laughs> you can't look him in the eyes. <laughs> I've done that Yeah, before. you're the one in the conference room. I'm sitting next to you and you start talking about our general manager's ass and I'm like, shut the fuck up, Martha. <laughs> he does have a beautiful... We're in a freaking business meeting, and yeah. you're sitting there staring at his ass while I'm we, sitting next to you. We Go stare at his ass without we somebody were else. sitting. Now, here's to be truthful. All right, we were sitting on the floor, and he was standing in front of us, facing the opposite direction. How do you not look at his ass? You also were not very quiet, Martha. Everybody my, heard you. My son says that, too. <laughs> he says, Mom, you talk too loud. <laughs> he knows I was kidding. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully he knows I was kidding. Maybe so that's now, why guys, just for the record, I can't sit next to Martha in any meetings we have at work. <laughs> We've been separated. Well, it's only sexual harassment if they go to HR and complain, I'm just saying. Yeah. Nobody complained about me yet. I'm sure eventually they will. So tell me about your sex dream, Bonnie. Well, this was a long time ago. Not where I work now. I make that perfectly clear because my coworkers listen to this. Not where I work now. I had a dream one time that I was underneath my my boss's desk taking care of business while people were still coming in and handing him papers and asking him questions and everything else. And, like, I could see their feet, like, walk up underneath the desk while I'm performing. And, I mean, if my mouth wasn't full, I would, you know, it would have been hard to not say anything. (laughs) But that isn't why you were having the conversation. You're having the conversation. I was having a conversation because somebody was telling me about a sex dream they had about a coworker. So we started talking about sex dreams, so on and so forth. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a phenomenon then. Have you ever had a sex dream about a coworker, Nicole? I actually don't really dream that much, like legit, or at least mm-hmm. I don't remember them. I was gonna say everybody dreams. Maybe you just don't remember them. I pass out. More vitamin B six. I've heard that if you really stock up on that, you'll remember your dreams. I actually read an article about B6? it this morning. Or yep. B twelve. No B six. That's weird. Can you remember your dreams on B six? Uh huh. That's what I've heard. What about you, Christina? 
since I've had children, I have less time to sleep, and I'm more <laughs> tired, and I no longer dream. I no longer remember my dreams as often as I used to when I was younger. When I was younger, uh, I had interesting dreams, but now, now I'm old, and so my brain's they too suck tired. The dreams right out of you about coworkers. Um. <laughs> Yeah, there might okay, have been a couple. Okay, am I the only weird person no, here you're not, that no. dreams oh, about no. their coworkers? I've I, had many, many. I'm not a pervert. <laughs> and and I walk in I the just, door and I just try to avoid eye contact at all costs because I know I'm going to blush from head to toe because I... And in fact, one of my favorite coworker sex dream types is the one where... <laughs> Is the one where I love that you categorize them. No, this is true. It, it's, here, here we are, you know, trying to do the deed, and he can't perform. I wonder if this relates to her real life. <laughs> no, it does not. It does not. But maybe that's a psychological thing where I'm thinking that way about them. Although I, you know, I, I that you're say, so sexually unattracted to them that they can't perform in your dreams. Low sex scores. Oh, man. That's a bummer. I never thought about that. They don't want to do me, so they can't get it up. No, you're not attracted to them, so it comes through in your dreams. Or maybe I was going to say, maybe they're just impotent individuals. Maybe they're just disappointing you in the real world. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're impotent. I was going to say, to be fair, I am dating one of my coworkers. Yeah, Nicole. (gasps) So she doesn't dream. She does the real thing. Yeah. (laughs) She's, she's got like, she's got office sex politics right in her bedroom. Forget about these <laughs> dreams. If I'm gonna do it, it's for real. Travis, get your ass over here and take that tablecloth off. <laughs> you you have a fantasy of Travis and like cloth cloth over him, and I'm not talking about clothing. I have no idea where that tablecloth thing came from. I really don't. Bunny, do you remember the time she wanted Travis to come over and wear an apron and serve her beer? Yes. Guinness, <laughs> talking in an. In an Yep. Yes. Huh, I is. wonder who Martha mm-hmm. dreams about. <laughs> no, I do not. Dream he does about have Travis. a great butt. Okay, let's talk about books. Okay, okay. Let's okay. talking about butts and talk about books. Uh, I don't think somebody a, agrees with me. Can we have just a stopover real quick to give like props to Justin Trudeau for oh the most perfect butt? God, Justin Trudeau. On the planet. <gasps> I don't even know who that is. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Canadian Prime Minister. I would so do him. Not only is he stunningly attractive stunningly but he is incredibly intelligent and he has a nice butt and he also seems like he is genuinely a kind caring individual is he married Unfortunately, yes. And is she's he happily ha- married? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Justin. And the, Justin. And so the thing is, is the fact that he is unbelievably hot is just like icing on the cake because he's such All a around. nice guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We he love Justin Trudeau. Mm-hmm. He's, He's Canadian. Mm-hmm. We love Canadians. I like Canadians. Perfect butt. <sighs> All right. Now we can stop talking about butts. Justin <laughs> Trudeau is a good thing to end on, I think. Um, it's a good butt to end on. Yes, it is. Very fine. Okay. So that's the ass end of that conversation? The ass end. <laughs> but I'm bumped. Very nice. Oh, by the way, Christina, Christina Hull is back with us today in the studio. In case you didn't guess that already, she she was with us a couple of weeks ago. How was how long ago was that? Two or three weeks. Two or three weeks ago, doing the Martian. But now she's got new stuff for us. It's also geeky. We love geeky though. Geeky's fun. You can be the the queen of the the queen of the geek geeks. I, I could handle that. In fact, I think that might have been my nickname in high school. Queen of the geeks. <laughs> We got Vonnie, the queen of war. We got me, the queen of weird. Nicole is the queen of... (laughs) 
That we said serial killer. True crime. No, she doesn't always just do true crime, though. She's She does a lot of true crime, though. I don't always do just war. Nicole is I'm just waiting. the queen. <laughs> <laughs> to be, we haven't figured out exactly, we can't pigeonhole you, Nicole. I try to expand my horizons. Yes, that's very good. I like that. Okay. Shall we transition now? Mm-hmm. Who's first? I can go first. Okay. Okay. So, uh, this one is called Our Kind of Cruelty by Araminta Hall, and it came out uh, Tuesday, I think. Oh, brand new, 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 new. Yep. And I got it from Book of the Month Club. So, this book is going to be one of those that is very similar to Girl on a Train and some of those other books where people either love it or hate it. So essentially it is about this guy. His name is Mike and you are immediately kind of thrown into his world and he talks about how he's very rich and he has this really nice house that he made sure was absolutely perfect for his girlfriend. And he talks a lot about his girlfriend. And then he keeps kind of talking about his story and you kind of come to realize like something's a little fishy and he mentions his childhood and how he was adopted and he had this horrible horrible childhood where his mother literally like didn't feed him or bathe him and he was eventually taken from her home and his mom's in jail I think but he was adopted he went through several um like foster homes yeah. uh, until he was finally like no one ever he didn't really get adopted but he's finally stayed with a family until he was like until old he enough to leave. Yeah. yeah and this takes place in the UK by the way so um then you start learning more and more about his girlfriend and they would have this sex game which is you know great topic for what we were talking about earlier. But essentially, the sex game would be they would go to a bar and she would go sit by herself and they would wait for someone to come up to her and she would give him a signal when that guy wanted to like take her home and Mike would go and pick a fight and say, like, what the hell are you doing with my girlfriend? And it would turn them on. So they would actually go out and do this um, and they planned it. But eventually you kind of realize that his girlfriend is not actually his girlfriend anymore. Um, and he gets an invitation to her wedding. And so you don't really know what happened. And you're getting these hints. But he is telling like his neighbors. He's saying like his girlfriend's just away. And all of this weird stuff. So like it's super creepy. Um so he's still talking like everything is the same like when they were together? Yes. Except he does mention that something like that they had a fight and he alludes to it. And then as the story goes on, you find out kind of what's going on. But this book will leave you 100% creeped the fuck out. He's like super rich. He's a very big businessman. He talks a lot about when they were like his girlfriend encouraging him to move to New York um, to get this huge job that would be amazing for his career and it would pay all this money. And essentially, he's a banker. Um, 
but the it, but the when he starts this book, he's back in England telling this story, so you don't really know what happened huh. in New York and then what happened cuz she didn't go with him either. And it tells you that, but but anyways, this uh it'll literally leave you so creeped out and there's a like an afterword that the author writes explaining why she wrote this book which I think is really good um but uh also immediately like from like the I'm not giving anything away you find out he murdered somebody too you just don't know who so you're trying to figure out so who he, he murdered does he talk about who he murdered or is that yes just so of- when he the book is him like I don't remember if he's I think he's writing a letter and explaining everything that happened Hmm. And so the entire book is, like, his story and, like, everything from his childhood to... I mean, it's not a real novel or anything, but... It sounds good. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people will not like it. Because because it's creepy? (laughs) No, just because, like, you do not like the main character. Oh. Um, You, because... Like, you figure out something is going on. And then even if you don't mind him, then you don't like the secondary character. Because, like, it pits you so that you are for or against either one. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what's going on. So you kind of pick a side. Oh, (laughs) I see. I think it sounds good. (laughs) But anyways, uh, that was Our Kind of Cruelty by Araminta Hall. So the, here's the question, though, Nicole, is yeah. did you like it? I thought it was really interesting. I did like it. Uh, even but it's though weird you, to say it, uh, you liked it because when you know what the story is. Even though you hated the main character and the secondary character? Well, you don't really... I don't know how to explain it. I'm more like open when I read books than some, some people. And so, <laughs> like me? <laughs> I like that character! But, uh, like, so... I was really confused, and you kind of, if you read the, the like the back of the book, um, you kind of have an idea of what's going on, and so you're trying to relate what you're reading to what you just read about the book, and it doesn't quite, it never quite fits. So the entire time I'm like, what's going on? And then I was trying to figure out who was murdered and how they were murdered. I just thought it was really interesting, and the like the moral to the story kind of at the end was good. I think uh-huh. if the story's strong enough, even if you don't necessarily like the two main characters, and it, it would still be okay. Because that book that I read you that was creepy as hell, mm-hmm. and I loved, the um, female main character on it was a complete ditz, and the male main character was a freaking psychopath. But I loved the book because it was just so creepy. creepy. It yeah. was just, I was going to tell you, Nicole. We had a Facebook message this mm-hmm. week from one of our listeners, um, Sharon Delitsky. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I said that wrong. And she was telling me about a book, Isabella the Warrior Princess, which is the mother of the Constant Princess. Oh, yeah. The, the Queen of Spain, the mm-hmm. one who like started the Inquisition and everything, or at least you know finished out the Inquisition. Yeah. And I know that she was in part of the Constant Princess, but that would be a character that I would love to hate if I can find yeah. it in audio. <laughs> it's got to be an audio for us girls. We well, I just I have a lot of regular books that I have to read right now, but yeah. But I was gonna. I know you read regular books a lot, so mm-hmm. that's one that she. 
Oh, also, our kind of cruelty is literally like 200 and something pages. Ah, so, so it was so short. 280. Yeah, it's a short read, so it's definitely something like if you're bored and need something to pick up, you could get into it. Which one of you guys has the least depressing book? My spin's not very depressing because I'm going to be a geeky excited spin on it because I'm geeky excited. Okay, why don't you go next? Okay. Bonnie, I was like, Bonnie always reads depressing books. <laughs> Sorry, baby. I know. I'm just not a feel-good person. Yeah, you are. I'm secretly emo. Secretly bitter? I'm a closet emo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Need a raven or something as a pet. <laughs> Need to break out my black lipstick. I might have worn a lot of that in high school. No, I was like never emo. Lot. Yeah. I was like emo light. Because uh, I wasn't cool enough to be like hardcore emo. Gotcha. But I talked a lot about my feelings and read crappy poetry. Oh, I never did that. <laughs> hung out hey, I wrote cup. crappy poetry when I That's was in high school. better. No, I never had the ability to write poetry. Ever. It's just not a skill I possess. Well, I All can. I did was get blackout drunk. I did that too. That's about it. And you sit around and you talk about how like, I'm just so in touch with the universe but like my parents don't understand me and no one gets me and no one understands the pain of being a middle class white girl. No one gets it. Of course not. Okay, Christina. No one understands my pain. Okay. <laughs> Come on, you middle class white girl. I, Show us some Roman love I over there. I love some Roman love. All right. I am talking about The Storm Before the Storm, The Beginning of the End of the Roman Republic by Mike Duncan. And I found this book because uh, Mike Duncan, the author, had a podcast over the history of the Roman. He covered the entire history of Rome from the mythical era that we don't so have. So they have podcasts that are actually like non-fiction? Yes. <laughs> no, I knew They're that. Wonderful. I can't believe you were yes. podcast cheating on us. Yeah, I was. you podcast cheated but that's on us. That's how I found this book and I'm so glad that I did. But what what this, this tells is the story before Julius Caesar because if you have kind of a base knowledge of Roman history which I've been obsessed with for years and years and years I absolutely love it I find it so interesting then you then you know the story of there was a Roman Republic that had a government that was similar in concept to ours there were many differences but similar in concept to what we have now and then after Caesar it became a an empire where you just had one person who had supreme power and the senate had marginal power but for all intents and purposes one person called the shots so how did it switch from being a representative republic into an empire well julius caesar came and he did it but he didn't do it in a vacuum and what this book talks about is the changes that happened in roman history that allowed a person like Caesar to take over. Now, that's interesting because we're dealing with a situation exactly that could be considered similar. Yes. So... And that is why he chose to write about this particular topic. Ah, now we're hitting it right on yes. the head. Okay, I knew that there had to be a tie in there somewhere. Yes. Okay. They had set laws in there, 
but they had tons of rules that people followed. Um, and it was just tradition. This is just the way you do things. This is just the way you do things. You don't cross this line. You don't do things this way. There's no laws. It's just one of those unspoken rules. And they called it uh, Mas Maorum, which meant the way of the elders. Oh. Basically the way we've always done it. So what happened in 146 or 8 BC, Rome defeated their greatest enemy at the time. And this was Carthage, which was in Northern Africa basically where Tunisia is now. Rome basically hung out just on the Italian peninsula before this. Carthage hung out in Africa. Then they started fighting over territory because Carthage tried to go into Spain. They tried to go into Sicily. And Rome was like, no, you can't do that. So they fought three wars back to back to back. And the very long story short is the very, very, very long story. <laughs> I was going to say, oh my God, Christina, please don't go into this. I'm going to go to sleep over here. <laughs> the very, very, very long story short is Rome won. So now Rome basically, for the most part, had control of the entire Mediterranean region. And at the same time, they finally took out the last of the Greeks. So they had that area too. They had control over like Eastern Turkey. They had this whole area. It was all Roman. So now all of a sudden you have these Romans and the Roman personality is very much defined by ambition. And I want to get ahead and I want to win. And that is very, very, very Roman. Sounds very American too. So, <laughs> yeah, it does. So all of a sudden they didn't have anyone to beat anymore. They beat up the other kid on the playground that was causing trouble, and then it was just Rome. So what are you going to do with all this energy? It began to turn in on itself. So all of a sudden, you have all this political infighting. And the other thing that also happens at the same time is a huge, huge, huge amount of money and slaves comes at, yeah, the Romans had slaves, came into the Roman... <laughs> a little sidebar there, by the way. <laughs> uh, it came into the Roman economy, and it completely screwed up the economy. So here's what happened. All these farmers had been off fighting these wars and they couldn't come back to their farms because their farms had all, all gone to sea. They couldn't they couldn't take care of their land anymore. So all these wealthy landowners came in, they bought out all these tenant farms or all these farms. The people then became tenant farmers on their own land that they used to own. And then all these slaves started coming in and they're like, well, we don't need to pay the tenant farmers anymore. We've got slaves. So all of a sudden oh. you have literally the entire rural population of, well, not the entire, but the vast majority of the rural population of Rome had no land, had no money, had no trades, and they were impoverished. So they all fled into the cities hoping to find jobs. Well, there weren't any jobs there, too, because everyone else was doing the same thing, and there were also slaves in the city doing the same thing. The economy was screwed, basically. Mm. Mm. Uh, they'd consolidated wealth into a handful of wealthy landowners, and the people were freaked out. So The gap between poor and and wealthy was too great. Exactly. So, what happens then at the end of the, Pun the Punic Wars is this dude named Tiberius Gracchus shows up. And he was a hero of the wars. And then he kind of looks at what's going on and he goes, this is ridiculous. Things should not be this way. People should have the land that they need to have. And so he comes in and says, no, you can own this land, you can own this land, you can own this land. And he came in the way he did it was breaking that Mos Maorum. He broke the rules to get it passed. Um. and to get Well, to get it started. Not even to get it passed, but just to get it heard and voted on. Well, then some other guys came in and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to break the other rules, the other way of our elders, and stop you from doing that. And this went back and forth for a couple of years. And the very long story, 
this is just the first chapter of the book is that there ended up being bloodshed for the first time in Roman politics in generations. Hmm. The Romans were very good about not doing that. So all of a sudden now, bloodshed is in politics. And that had never happened before. Hmm. Yes. And that was the first step. That's chapter one. Holy crap. And it just This keep, is way too thick for me, dude. I love it. And it just keeps going down and down and down. And, and Bonnie's these, like, ooh! <laughs> well, they, that happened in Pillars of the Earth in the second book. After the Black Plague and it killed off a bunch of the, you know, the workers, uh-huh. then the earls and everything that owned all of these farms didn't have anyone to work it. It was the exact opposite thing. So then it went, well, what happened was all of these different earls were trying to get the the peasants to work for mm-hmm. them, so they started offering more money. Right. Well, then the one earl got pissed, went to the king and said, well, they can't do that. We've never done this before. So they made a law that you couldn't pay the peasants more than what you paid them before the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. So, which, is, which is stupid. Well, politics. Politics. If, yeah. And that's the thing. is like, If you're into any kind of like political drama, if you like... If you enjoy politics now, you will enjoy Roman history. Because That's what we're getting to. Yes. 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 So and I why love, would you read this book? Why That's would you question. read this book? You can go through and read the primary sources on Roman history all day. Honestly, there's not that many of them. Not that many survive. But enough survive that we can have a pretty decent rounding. And if you dedicate, say, two years of your life, you can pretty much read everything there is to know as far as primary Roman sources. You'd have to be really bored, though. <laughs> so... I have tortured myself, and I have tried reading primary sources, because again, I love Roman history. I've tried reading primary sources. I've tried and tried and tried and failed to get through Gibbon's Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. It's the most dry book ever. (laughs) But then you have, on the other side of it, you have a lot of things that just give you like a glossing over. It's like, oh yeah, well, Tiberius Gracchus was kind of like JFK. And then they move on. And that's stupid. You don't get any of the story. What's great about this book is it gets you a great in-between. It goes into the depth so you really feel like you can understand everything that's going on. But it's not so in-depth that they're talking about, like, and then five acres went to so-and-so. And then 12 <laughs> acres. Went, and you're like, I don't care. So, so this, is, it, this book strikes the balance. It makes, it makes Roman history detailed enough and accessible enough to be entertaining. Now that is a good reason to read. That it. was my point. Yeah, that's. But it's it's really great book. I have enjoyed listening to this guy for years and years, like ten years. I've been listening to him, and I loved reading this book. And I'm so happy that it's here because it really does tell about a very important time of history. Okay, so give us title and artist of that again. The Storm Before the Storm: The Beginning of the End of the Roman Republic by Mike Duncan. And he also has a podcast called. He has two, actually. Okay, so what are they called? <laughs> the History of Rome and Revolutions. Awesome. So if you're really geeky and into history... I'm geeky and into history. Well, you are the queen of the geeks. Yes. So there you go. I love my title. <laughs> your eyes are all big. You need to go home and change? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. We're have to break out our pocket pal here pretty soon. Bob! <laughs> Bob, you were supposed to stay bed. Nicole's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you people. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Okay. Switching gears. Vani, darling. Okay. I read The Girl You Left Behind by Jojo Moyes. 
And I can't even remember where I heard about this book because it's been on my hold list for a long time. I don't remember if it was... I I remember it was recommended to me by Kyla. Oh, that's right. And it's a history, so you were like, Vonnie. Yes. (laughs) And she was like, tell Vonnie about this book. Yes. Yes. So I think it was from our, our library friend, Kyla. Okay. Uh, this this book is kind of broken up into three different parts. It starts out in a a small French village during World War One, and the Germans have already invaded. Um, the men have pretty much all been sent to the front lines, and it is about a girl named Sophie. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name because I will not be able to. Um, who owns a hotel and a bar? And the Germans kind of acquire her to cook them dinner every acquire night. Acquire her. I love that. Well, it's not like they hire her because they don't pay her. They don't give right. her a choice. So they, they acquire her. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Requisition her? I, I don't know how I would put it. Slave. So Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> this one commander kind of kind of becomes friends with her and they talk a lot about art because her husband is an artist and he has a portrait of her that he had painted that's hanging on the walls which they're not really supposed to have that kind of stuff on the walls but Sophie's like you know fuck them they're not going to make me take it down I'm keeping it up not in those words obviously but you know (laughs) I was going to say she said fuck it no (laughs) in French (laughs) How do you say fuck it in French? She's a very passionate, strong woman in this book. She is. Cool. Like, um, she's hiding a pig from the Germans. This happens, like, right at the beginning. (laughs) And because you have to give all that stuff up to the Germans, you're not allowed to have that stuff. But she has this baby pig that she's trying to hide from them, and she dresses it up like a baby and carries it around when the Germans are in (laughs) her house so that they won't find it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, this is just how she's like, you know, no, you're not taking my damn pig. I'm going to dress it up like a baby and carry it around. <laughs> so she's she's a very strong character. But this, um, this commander ta- starts talking to her about art, and he loves this painting. And he basically grows extremely fond of Sophie. So Sophie tries to use that quote-unquote fondness to try to get extra stuff for the people in the village. And then she uses that fondness to try to um, find her husband because her husband's been sent to a labor camp and she hasn't heard from him in a long time, everything else. So it kind of cuts from that point. It kind of backfires on her a little bit because the people in the town don't quite understand what she's doing and they start calling her a sympathizer so people in the town are starting to be mean to her and like spit on her when she goes by and like not wanting to give her her rations of bread and like you know just being you know assholes assholes exactly so when she's trying to do this for them as much as she is herself but and then it cuts from there to modern times to a lady named Liv who has um, lost her husband to a sudden heart attack 
didn't know that he had any heart problems. She had only been married for four years. And her husband had bought her this painting on their honeymoon. Just from somebody oh. on the street. And she loves this painting. I love it when they carry stuff through like that. Yeah. It reminds right. me of the goldfinch. So it's all like kind of wrapped around this painting. And the painting, she only bought it for a few francs in Barcelona when they were on their honeymoon from somebody who the her grandmother had owned it. Her grandmother died. She was American and she was shipping everything of her grandma's to America to where she lived and she had that painting and she was just going to throw it away. Oh. And the husband, who I think his name is David, bought it for Liv because she loved the painting, he loved the painting, so it was kind of like his wedding gift to her. And so she hung it in this house. And he was an architect. So he designed the house that she was living in now, even though they were only married for four years when he died. And uh, um, it, the family does an audit of all of their property and can't find out what happened to this painting, which is now worth millions of dollars and of course Liv doesn't know this this is just a painting that she's had forever and it's hanging on her wall she doesn't know that it's worth lots of money but she has a sentimental connection to this well the family takes her to court to get this painting back because um it's like quote-unquote stolen yeah they were gonna throw it out Right, but I guess it's part of the Geneva Convention oh, yeah. that if there was any artwork or anything material-wise right. that was taken from somebody who was sent to labor camps, that the family can get that back from the whoever owned it at that time. But So then it becomes a court battle to find out whether this was actually stolen property or if it was a gift, it was purchased, or, or what? Because, of course, you know, it's really hard to track it down. So then it kind of, in the third part of this, it kind of goes back and forth between Sophie, Sophie's plight of trying to find her husband, and Liv fighting for this pa- this painting, and it kind of tells the backstory of the painting and what happened to Sophie and everything else. Hmm. And... Of course, you know, there's got to be some romance involved. I was going to say the author of that book tends to be... Yeah, it's a good um, thing I didn't review the other book I was going to... I thought about reviewing today. Was that one that by her? Still, or me, but for you. I mean, I just finished it today, oh, so... Oh, okay. All right. My so, according to my friend who speaks French, the there's no literal translation to no. fuck it for French. <laughs> there's not. Uh, there is... No, there's not. There's not? Nicole speaks a little French. So, too. she says that the closest is the French word for whore, which is used as a slang for fuck, <laughs> which is pronounced puntain. Which makes me think, P- that's, what, that's what Poontang <laughs> means. God damn! Well, puta is bitch in Spanish. Spanish punta. Yeah. Punta. Puta. Puta. Yeah. And Poontang is apparently French for Poontang. But puta is female and puto is male. Huh. Just Man, like are we just, we're getting into some serious stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Parlez-vous Poontang! <laughs> Back to the you romance speak part bitch. of this book. Yeah, <laughs> you, you speak, speak whore. Is, you <laughs> speak whore. 
<laughs> I don't know. That's the only thing I know how to say in French. I was just making it up. <laughs> All right. And yes, Jojo Moyes is known for her romantic type books. Is she not? I mean, my heart is happy that I just read Me Before You, so, you know. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. And you can review that at a different day. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Eventually. Well, of course, you know, she's widowed, obviously. And she, on the anniversary of the death of her husband, she goes out to the bar to get drunk. But she doesn't want to go to a regular bar because she doesn't want to get, like, you know, hit on or people talking to her. She basically just wants to be left alone. So she goes to a gay bar. And the... (laughs) I'm every woman. It's all in me. Sorry. <laughs> I always think about that song when I think about gay bars. I don't know why. And the bartender's brother, who's not gay, is there. I don't remember his name. And um, kind of, you know, helps her out a little bit. And they start this kind of little bit relationship, but not very much a one, just the very beginnings. And then it comes into light that he is... He works for the company that the family has hired to track down this painting. Oh, geez. So then when they end up in the court battle, he's on the opposite side. So obviously, the relationship has to end because it would be conflict of interest. You can't have a relationship with, you know, the lawyer from the other side of your legal battle. That would not be right. So, you know, there's a little bit of that romance in there. A whole lot of history about this painting, which was very, very interesting little bit about it doesn't have a whole lot about World War One in it so oh, I think the Queen of War didn't get her war fix I know it didn't talk about <gasps> that very much a little bit but not very much okay so so yeah. recommend or not recommend oh yeah I loved it I had a book hangover after this I couldn't read a book for half a day wow half a day I know that's a long time that's a long for time me. for us a long time for bookies me. And I told everybody at work, and they're like, wow, it kind of makes me want to read it. I'm <laughs> like, you should. That's the point. That's the whole point. It's awesome. And that was The Girl You Left Behind by Jojo Moyes. Very much recommend. If you liked the other one that you read, you probably like this one, too. I, I need to go read all of her books, because I found out that she has written a shit ton of them. A shit ton? Uh, uh, that is a technical uh-oh. term. I, I, I feel it. I feel it coming. The redneck's coming out. It's a shit ton. Okay. I'm leaving now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Nicole. I couldn't help it. (laughs) You just left me wide open for it. Did you ever read Catherine Neville's stuff? Oh, what did she write? Uh, She she wrote more than two, but the two that I've read of hers, one's called The Eight and one's called The Magic Circle. They came out like in the 70s, I think. Mm -mm. I haven't read any of those. They kind of remind me a bit of the book you just talked about. Just just from your overview the first like two sentences you said about that book i was like it sounds like hemingway really because he has one of his books is literally like about a soldier and then he ends up meeting this girl who is running or is working at a restaurant in france Mm -hmm. and then he gets her like pregnant i think uh-huh. And so I don't, yeah. Well, there's a whole lot more to the story, but I don't want to tell too much because then I'm going to tell what happens. Yeah, and you can't yeah. do that because but, it's a spoiler. Right, but when they go back, you find out a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to read and, that. But it's just about 
Sophie's life and like the whole history of this painting. Yeah. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with the war itself. So it would be one that you might. It's not too romancy. I mean, it has a good sex scene in it. So you might. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I might consider it. Maybe. Huh. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. For the one sex scene. No, the painting is more my interest. The painting, the it was painting, interesting. I like, I like the, I like it when they tie in an object over time. For mm-hmm. some reason, it, it's just it feels more solid. Somehow, the story feels more solid to me when they use things like that to tie it together. All right, are we ready for me? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The book I read is called "Midnight at the Bright Ideas Bookstore" by Matthew Sullivan. First of all, read the book because it said bookstore in the title. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thought that. You know, I love books. I love books about bookstores. I have read a ton of books about bookstores. I'm saving up one of my favorite ones for later, a later date that I haven't pulled out yet that I read a while ago that I just love. But anyway, um, I think this one was just a new book that was released and I saw it and put it on hold and it's been an on hold forever. It's a story about a girl who witnesses a horrific murder and then hides under the sink. And then now grown up, she's living back in Denver where the crime took place and she works at a bookstore. She discovers one day, she comes to work, she's at work, it's in the evening, and all of these bookstore patrons that she likes, they call them her book frogs. They're the regulars of the bookstore. And one day she comes to work and she finds one of her beloved book frogs hanging dead in the history section. Mm-hmm. And then she finds a picture of herself at one of her birthday parties, along with two of her friends, in his pocket. Ew. And one of, one of the girls, her best friend, was, is one of the people that she saw murdered. And the picture has her friend and her other friend, and there was just three people in the picture. But she had no, she had never talked about her past with this young man. He was a young man. I don't know, maybe 18 or 19 years old. And he barely spoke. I mean, she was just very, they just had a very, what would you call that? Not a very close relationship, even though they saw each other nearly every day. So she's really freaked out by the idea that he has this photograph in his pocket and she doesn't know why or how in the world because they're not that close. I mean, they're just acquaintances and he's never said a word about anything. But he leaves her all of his books. He leaves a post-it note as his last will and testament says, (laughs) give these to Lydia. These are for Lydia. So she gets these books And when she opens them up, she sees that all these little, that somebody has meticulously cut words out of some of the pages. So she has to try to figure out this puzzle that he's left for her. And it's fascinating the way he did it. I'm not going to tell you what what it is because it was just so ingenious. Part of this is the puzzle that she's trying to solve of why this young man hung himself. And I love how the author wove in 
all of these different details and, and put them and made everything fit together so incredibly well. It was just a really well-written book. I read it really, really fast. But she's able to finally put to rest this hammer man, this, this man who murdered her best friend's parents and her best friend with a hammer when she was over there to spend the night when she was just a little girl. She was probably 11 years old or something like that. Maybe she was even younger. But they had fled Denver after that. And so she, she came back as an adult, but sort of had, you know, when, you, when something horrible like that happens to you, you don't really want to talk about it. So the people around her didn't even know that was her. You know, she never told anybody about it. So you've got all of that deep hurt and fear and all of those emotions that she's have had had to deal with over, over the years and her relationship with her boyfriend that she lives with. And then she ends up reconnecting because the story comes out in the newspaper and her other best friend, whom she hasn't seen since right after the crime because her father literally picked her up and they moved out of town and never looked back. So she hasn't even seen this friend since she was a young girl and he shows up because he saw her in the newspaper because she's the one that found him hanging in the bookstore. So it's like just amazing all of the way, the way they the way the author wove it all together was brilliant. I thought it was awesome. A very interesting read and also very emotional. It was an emotional book. Martha got the feels? I did get the feels. Wow. I got a lump in my throat. I didn't cry, but I did get a lump in my throat, and the end was very satisfying as well. I mean Shape of Water and now this one? I don't know. Man, I feel Is like Is there I'm, a tide? I feel like I'm cracking. Do we have a new queen of romance? <laughs> no. Oh. Hey, you want to read Me Before You? No. no, I do not. Thank you very much. I think I'll pass. You kept talking about the hammer, and my brain just kept going to licking the hammer. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just wanted to break into song. So bad. All right, go ahead. I came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> they were having an earworm right before the podcast, and they were singing this freaking song in the car. And half the words they don't know. Oh my god! I can't believe you just up. gave them permission again. Hammer liquor, Jesus! But to be fair, I didn't realize there was a hammer in my story. So until I said it. My, this is what I bring. What I do? I grab my drink and I just wanted to go and make, <laughs> and make a licking motion. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to make her laugh. This is really serious. <laughs> I mean, it really was serious. It was really yes. good. So. so that was my book. It was called Midnight at the Bright Ideas Bookstore by Matthew Sullivan. Excellent read. Loved it. You should read it. Sounds like we had some really good books this week. We did. Mm-hmm. I looked up that meme before you. Wasn't that a movie not too long ago? Yes. Okay. I remember when that was real popular for like a brief moment. It'll make you cry. Will it? Do you like stuff like Notting Hill and... I love uh, Notting Hill. Notting Hill's my You'll go-to like guilty this. pleasure movie. God, what is it? How did I end up with you people? <laughs> if you like uh, rom-coms, you will love stuff. Well, I mean, I what's his name? Uh, what's the dude who plays in Notting Hill? Yeah, he oh, is. This so guy's cute. Hugh Grant. Yeah. I love so Hugh Grant. I don't know who's in so cute. Yeah, I'd do him. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
wouldn't. He's I a would sexy boy. About my ex. I would cut that hair immediately. But no, I like floppy. the floppy hair. You like the floppy? I like the floppy hair. Yeah. yeah. I d- it makes me just want to run my fingers he's, through it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me happy. <laughs> I'm just a girl. I loved four Sitting weddings and a, a funeral, okay? Asking her to love him. Oh, God. <laughs> four weddings her. and a funeral was awesome, and it was kind of Sam a... Sam Claflin. He's oh, cute, yeah, too. Oh, yeah, I've got Daenerys Yeah, he is it. pretty cute. That picture makes me want to barf. Why? Because it's so romantic. You just go barf. <laughs> Martha, let's cut the queen of dragons. I'm emotionally satisfied today. <laughs> what about well, physically satisfied? Her husband's texting her from from the bar saying, "I'm not married, so I don't or, know sorry." Her, her boyfriend, her live-in boyfriend, is texting her from the bar, telling her all about the naked darts they're playing tonight. Her, her Mac Daddy, your Mac Daddy is with her bosses, the, one of the ones who I thought had a good butt. <laughs> yeah, Martha's a little jealous about. She's like, I am strip, jealous. Right strip darts. Damn how's, it! Why don't I ever get? Doing? Is it because he heard me whispering that I don't get invited to these things? I'm sorry. You tell Jeffrey. Maybe it's because you make inappropriate comments about people's butts in meetings. In, in business meetings. In business meetings. <laughs> like HR! this. <laughs> Look at that butt. And it's, it's so really good. tight. It looks nice in a pair it's of trousers. Right. Okay. Just Anyways. Up there. <laughs> I enjoy my job and not getting sued for sexual harassment because there's now proof that Martha is sexually harassing our general manager in the workplace. So I'm pretty sure we should probably end this podcast. Oh my god. My lawyer is kicking me off the goddamn podcast. Jeez. I mean, does he listen to the podcast? No. No, but if anybody else did, people will be like Googling. Who's the director of KISS? Oh, I'm just teasing for God's sakes. I'm a happily married woman. For 20, almost 28 years now, the love of my life. I love that's been 28 years. Yeah. And five years before that, we dated. So all of this is just silly. And I mean, See, your that. husband a has a pretty decent right butt. That's why I don't need to read romance exactly. novels. Funny, have you been looking at his butt? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Looking at whose butt? My husband's butt? I said, your husband has a decent butt. He does. He has a great butt. <laughs> I can't help. I just look at butts. I, I, I'm an I ass respect, out there. I respect that. You're an ass man. That's cool. I'm an ass man. <laughs> ass man. All right. And on that note, I think we are going to have to put an end oh. <laughs> to the podcast. I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> and that's going to do it for Three, three Book Girls. Ass. <laughs> Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Join the conversation on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.